The presenters opened the envelope and they read Best Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series, Cheryl Lee Ralph. <laughs> At that moment, Cheryl Lee Ralph froze. The camera came upon her. She's sitting. She's frozen, stunned, shocked. You could see it all over her. She really was in a state of shock. And slowly, her peers, her companions at the table, helped her walk up the steps and make her way to the mic where she was handed her trophy for Best Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series, Abbott Elementary, in this year's Emmy Awards. I just happened to be watching, and I'm so, so thankful that I was. She stood in silence for a few moments. Uncomfortably, I will add, but it it was just a moment of awe. You could see it in her. And all of a sudden, she starts to sing. And she sings what I now know is a 1994 song called Endangered Species, performed initially by Diane Reeves, a jazz vocalist. And there was one line in that song that left me breathless. I know where my voice belongs. She sang it with such depth of meaning that you knew it was coming from a place inside of her being that was so profoundly grateful for this moment in her life. Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heartlifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Hello and welcome to today's Heartlift with Janelle. I'm so glad to have you here today to talk about everyday contentment. Last week, we talked about every day in the secret place. It's been a while since we dug deep into topics. We've had so many fabulous conversations with so many great guests, but I am so happy to be back to just you and me right now for a little little while to talk about some very important spiritual practices and rhythms that we can add into our everyday life to make our lives more meaningful. You know that eudaimonia we talk about in Stronger Every Day, Nine Tools for an Emotionally Healthy You, that pursuit of a meaningful life. Well, I was so grateful this week to have witnessed uh, this incredible unfolding of Cheryl Lee Ralph receiving her Emmy Award for Best Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series, Abbott Elementary. I've not watched the show yet, but I plan to. And I was just so thankful to witness her presence, 
Her presence was commanding. Her presence was humble. It was empowering. I literally felt power coming into my soul. This was a 65-year-old woman who you could just tell that this award was a dream come true. And so I read a little bit more about her because she was so visibly shaken and shocked and stunned. And all the attention at that moment, all the attention in the room was on her voice. Well, you know how much voice means to us in this community. We equate voice with our value, our worth, and our dignity. And you could see it visibly, visibly on this woman that this moment of public affirmation of her gifts and talents, her creativity, was being so well-received from a humble spirit. I also read She wrote, to anyone who has ever, ever had a dream and thought your dream wasn't, wouldn't, couldn't come true, I am here to tell you that this is what believing looks like. This is what striving looks like. And don't ever, ever give up on you. 30 years, 33 years prior to this moment on this uh, public stage at the Emmys, She writes that she, Ralph, had met and invited Reeves, the woman who sang and performed this song in 1994, to perform it at a benefit she was having to raise awareness for HIV AIDS. And they met there, and it was an astounding meeting. And so here, some 33 years later, she's receiving this award, and this song just... She said that when she got on the stage... She just forgot everything, but all of a sudden, she just heard this whisper. She didn't say whisper, but I'm guessing that's what it was. Sing the song. Sing the song. And so she did. It was so, so powerful. And I loved that she said about this 33 years later that it still was an embodied experience of sisterhood. That she had had this connection with Diane Reeves, the jazz vocalist, you know, some three decades ago. But yet at that moment, all of a sudden, this seemingly old song was now being brought to the forefront and receiving a new life as well. So the synergy, the embodiment of sisterhood, she said, was even more more beautiful and made the event more remarkable as well. Well, why do I bring up this story? Because of her of her declaration, I like to say, I know where my voice belongs. Heartlifter. I sat with that. I don't even remember what night that the Emmys were on, maybe Tuesday night. But I sat with that for a little while before going to bed in the quiet, in the secret place, turned the TV off, sat with that quiet that quiet atmosphere, and I thought, do I know where my voice belongs? Hmm. And I asked that question to you today. Do you know where your voice belongs? That is one of the major impetuses of our time together is that we will come to know, come to find our voice, 
And in that, we're finding our value, our worth, and our dignity. And we are then utilizing that voice in all of our spheres of influence. Some of us have to wait a long, long time, like Cheryl Lee Ralph, to have that experience where she, her voice, we could say, went viral in a sense. Now, that won't happen for all of us. It may not even happen for any of us. But in our spheres of influence, those strategic, influential, intentional spaces and places where God has placed our feet and put our presence, there we are called to know our voice, to know that it belongs in those spaces and in those places. And I think this little journey that we're on in season 10 is going to help you. If you don't know the answer to that question, it's going to help you find the answer because I'm on the search myself. I've known where my voice belongs in past decades as a teacher, as a dance uh, studio owner, as a parent, as a mother of children under my feet inside of my home. They're now all gone all over the world. I've known where my voice belongs as an author, as a speaker. I I spoke for decades all over the world, but that is not happening in my life now, and things are changing once again. I've known my voice in the realm of being a, a, it's hard to say because I do not have my license, Uh, but a counselor, a mental health professional, a board-certified life coach where I'm hearing stories and putting stories in my the vault of my heart and I'm carrying the stories of others. I've known my voice there, but I also feel a shift happening once again where God is inviting me to come outside of what I know to be true right now because he has some new things. He has some new things he's inviting me into outside of my comfort zone yet again. So I'm getting, I'm coming into the secret place and I'm saying, God, what now? What next? What? Where? Where do you want to use my voice? Now today, I want to bring in this conversation that we started last time about what happens in the secret place, that place where we come aside and we go to a place that is quiet and maybe isolated and lonely, a place where there's no noise, there are no voices, and we just sit and we try to get to know ourselves and we get to know God. And so this week, I want to start with 1 Timothy 6, 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Yet another familiar scripture, perhaps, for many of us. This is Timothy writing, Paul's protege, we could say, his apprentice, his student. Uh, He was trained by Paul. So I am guessing that Paul shared... Uh, Obviously, Timothy was present when he listened to Paul share about learning the secret of contentment. So now Timothy takes it a step further as our students in our life and our children and those we mentor will do and says, godliness with contentment 
is the greatest gain that we'll ever have, okay? So what is this word, this principle, this concept? What do we call this rhythm, this practice? Contentment, this seven little, seven letter word, content, it can be an enigma. I wrote about it in 2007 in my very first book, Rock Solid Families, because I have been wrestling with having contentment in my life for maybe my whole life, who even knows? In a world where everything is available at the click of a mouse, contentment seems almost a foreign concept because we can always get more. We are seemingly never content with what we have. I know in my life, if I want a new sweater, click, there it is. It shows up on my door. I don't even have to go out and buy it. Earrings to match it, yeah, click, they show up on my door. Step, latest tech gadget, click. If I can't find something, Google will find it for me. And all of this is without ever leaving the comfort of my living room lazy boy chair or opening my wallet. Yeah, I can even memorize my credit card number. I've done that. And then I just put it in. It's just way too easy. Isn't it amazing how much trouble that little piece of plastic can cause when we memorize the number? Scottish theologian Sinclair Ferguson writes, Christians today live in a society permeated by a spirit of discontentment. Greed has destroyed gratitude. Getting has replaced giving. But in the pursuit of self-sufficiency, we have lost our way. We have developed spirits driven forward to gain more, incapable of slowing, stopping, and remembering. That old proverb that those who sow the wind will reap the whirlwind. That ethos can easily influence. It is time to pause and ask, he says, am I content in Christ? Am I content in my life? Hmm. If not, it is the first thing I need to begin to relearn. He continues, and I want to share with this, adversity is the context in which contentment is most deeply tested, as well as best manifested. Such contentment is never the result of the momentary decision of the will. This is where I want us to really lean in. Contentment is not the result of a momentary decision of the will. It cannot be produced merely by having a well-ordered, thought through time and life management plan calculated to guard us against the unexpected twists and turns of divine providence. True contentment means embracing God's will in every aspect of his providence simply because it is his providence. Now that word providence is just a really big word for his his play uh, his work in our life. I'm a follower of the way of Jesus. I'm a follower. I I look to God. God, lead me, guide me, show me. Where? Where do you want me? Contentment involves what we are in our very being, not just what we do and what we can accomplish. So there, there is our first lean in. We can't manufacture contentment. I think I tried to do that in my earlier years when I was so hungry to find peace inside of myself. So contentment has, it's just been an an elusive race in my life, I think, of 
catching the wind until I finally understood that it's not something I can actually give myself. It is a gift from God. It is something He has to endow upon me. Contentment is an undervalued grace. I really love how Ferguson says that, undervalued. Because now that I have experienced in my own personal life the taste of contentment and what that actually feels like inside of my body, I now have such a high value on it that anything that starts to to bring me out of that state makes me very uncomfortable and I start to get agitated and depressed. If contentment could be produced by programmed means, and he writes like five steps to contentment in one month, I would have written that at one time. I know I would have. It would be commonplace, but it's not. Instead, we must learn contentment. Yes, we made that clear. That's what the Apostle Paul told us in Philippians 4. I had I had to learn the secret of contentment. We have to learn it. We cannot just do contentment. It's taught. We we learn to receive it. We need to be schooled in it. It is part of the process of being transformed through the renewing of our minds. He final his final words in this article are it is commanded of us, but paradoxically, it is created in us, not done by us. So it's not a doing, it's really a state of being. Well, you know in our community how hard it is for me to put into words how to be. I try really hard, but it's hard to put words around how to get from being a doer to becoming a beer. So that's why we're here. I'm wrestling. I have 500 papers around me today. I'm like, how do I get this concept across? How do I get this across? It's probably clear as mud. But today I'm doing the best I can to just give you some food for thought, to stir you up in the deepest parts of your being, that you will start to hunger and thirst like I am for this state of contentment in my life so that I can live the latter part of my life far better than the former. That's actually my mantra for my whole entire family, that the latter part of our family life will be greater than the former, that the latter part of my marriage will be greater than the former, that our business, our family business will be greater, greater in the latter than it is, has been to us in the former. That's a promise of God. Contentment is not the product of a series of actions but of a renewed and transformed character. It involves the growth of a good tree that produces good fruit. You know, we live in a culture, don't we, that says, if anyone can do it, I can, we can, I can do all things. Remember how we misquote Philippians 4.13? That's what we're learning here. The formation of living in a state of contentment is not grounded in, tell me what to do and I'll do it. We want that, don't we? But it's in this, here I am, Lord, do this work inside of me. Do this work in me. This kind of contentment 
is the fruit of an ongoing, intimate, deeply developed relationship with God through His Son, Jesus, and with the empowering of the Holy Spirit. I have to keep mentioning the Trinity here because I believe each member of the Trinity has a unique role in helping us develop this movement of contentment in our our daily rhythm. I really love how Ferguson said it's a deeply developed relationship with God that produces contentment. He then brings in this whole conversation about mindset. And man, we have been talking so much about mindset, and we will continue to do so all through season 10. We're adding in this contented mindset. And he says, contentment is the fruit of a mindset that understands its limitations. And he leads us to Psalm 131. Three tiny little verses tucked in the Psalms. And it's a song of a sense of David. And it reads, I have calmed and quieted my soul. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. David is imaging a mindset here in which he doesn't allow himself to be preoccupied with what God was not pleased to give to him. And he's also saying he didn't want his mind to become fixated on things that God has not been pleased to explain to him. He's saying these kinds of preoccupations of mind suffocate contentment. Oh, if I insist on knowing exactly what God is doing and what he plans to do with my future, if I demand to understand his ways with me in the past, I can never be content until I am equal to God. How slow we are to recognize in these subtle mental temptations the echoes of the serpent of Eden. Express your dissatisfaction with God's ways, God's words, God's provision. Take what he has forbidden. He doesn't really love you, so take it. And take it now while you have the chance. Sinclair says in our Augustan tradition, it has often been said that the first sin was superbia, pride. But it was more complex than that. It included discontentment. A discontented spirit is both the fruit and the evidence of an ungodly heart. This wisdom is an excerpt from Sinclair Ferguson's book, In Christ Alone, Living the Gospel-Centered Life. Wow. So powerful. He offers these questions, and I really want to offer them to you. What difficult circumstances are stirring up discontent in your heart? Are you trying to control the circumstances? Or are you yielding and allowing God to help you with these circumstances? What one thing can you do right now 
to eliminate the distractions that are crowding your mind and causing the discontent. I'll remind you, Heartlifter, that that word distraction means confusion from a multiplicity of objects crowding the mind and calling the attention different ways. Yeah, I know. I'm going to read it again because you're going to want to write this down. Confusion from a multiplicity of objects crowding the mind and calling the attention different ways. Wow. That's at the root of a discontented heart and then of a discontented presence, right? When we're out and about in all of our doings, we're discontented beings. So what do we do with that? Well, let's return. Let's return to that word content. And let's look again at its roots and where that comes from and remind ourselves of how critical it is to spend time in the secret place, the quiet place, an isolated place, away from all of that multiplicity of objects that are crowding your mind and calling you in different directions so that you can hear the one true voice and get to know yourself and who you really, really are so that you can develop, deeply develop your sense of being and then the outflow of that will be contentment. I think we may have just gotten the journey. I think we may have just breathed the journey of how that goes. I'm going to listen back and write it down myself. So we have from the Greek, autarkes, autarkes. That is the root of content. But when you look at autarkes, that breaks up into two smaller roots. One is from the Greek, autos, autos. So that's the beginning, autos, autarkes, and archeo. Let's remind ourselves, autos comes from the root air, A-E-R. In English, it would be air, A-I-R. And it just means to breathe unconsciously, to respire. And respire, when you understand that, means that you're breathing on a cellular level. You're not conscious of breathing. I mean, most of us are not, right? Most of the time, unless we really focus in on taking some belly breaths, we don't really notice that we're breathing. Take that down a little further in its understanding, and it actually means atmosphere or the atmospheric region. That was what took my breath away, as I shared last time. And then archaeo, when you look at archaeo, it means to be possessed of unfailing strength, satisfied. Wow. And in the literary, this means to recover hope, to gain courage and strength after a time of difficulty. So when I hold the root autos, air, air, atmosphere in my left hand, and I hold archaeo to be possessed of unfailing strength to be satisfied in my right hand, and then I fold my hands, I find out 
where I need to develop contentment. I will gain unfailing strength and deep satisfaction when I spend time in the atmosphere of the secret place. Is that as awe-inspiring for you as it is for me? I'm going to say it again. I'm holding in my left hand air, A-E-R. That's air. My at the atmosphere, the atmospheric region in which we are breathing unconsciously on a cellular level. On the right hand, I'm holding archaeo, which means to be possessed of unfailing strength, to be deeply satisfied. And when I marry those two, when I put them together in that word autarkes, which is the root of content, I will d- deeply develop that state of being in which I am content by breathing in the atmosphere of God, the Father, Jesus, his Son, and the Holy Spirit in the secret place. And the result of that will be an endowment deep in my being of unfailing strength and deep satisfaction. Some call that space liminal space. And I'm going to give a whole episode to just helping you understand what liminal space is because it's the space that is, that is the atmosphere that is within the secret place, the quiet place. In Luke 5, 16, it writes, Jesus withdrew himself to the wilderness. He withdrew himself. So I look up withdrew and it comes from the verb, the Greek verb, ain, A-N-E. And it just means to be, to exist, to happen, to be present. So when Jesus withdrew, he didn't withdraw to do anything. He withdrew to develop, to deeply develop in the atmosphere of that lonely, isolated wilderness or Riverside, and this one I chose, it was the wilderness, a desolate place. He withdrew in that atmosphere so that he could develop, deeply develop that sense of being, of presence. And in that space, he prayed. And the root of pray there is from the Greek. I will not be able to pronounce this. I practice, but I'm going to spell it P R O S E U. C-H-O-M-A-I, prosokome, I'm not sure. And that is from the Greek pros, P-R-O-S. And that is a preposition that infers direction forward, moving toward. So you see, when you, when you break open this incredible passage, we see he withdrew. Jesus is showing us how to become content. He's showing us, he's modeling for us how to develop our sense of being. And it will not be in the crowd. It will not be in the land of distraction. It will be in the land where we come away to a quiet place, an isolated place. We breathe in the atmosphere of his spirit. And inside of that is everything we need to live a life to be self-sufficient, to be possessed of unfailing strength. 
Wow. And in that space, we pray and we receive direction forward, movement towards what he wants us to do and how he wants us to be. And I believe that every time we go away, we follow his example, we are endowed with more of a state of contentment. And we learn that secret that in whatever situation we're in, whatever circumstance, whatever relationship, whatever challenging time we're in, we are developing that muscle, that movement, that rhythm called contentment to the point that we will, much like our beautiful sister Cheryl Lee Ralph exhibited for us on that stage where she was so deeply moved that she just began to bellow this song with the words, I know where my voice belongs. And in this interview with Diane Reeves, the jazz vocalist who actually recorded the song in 1994, Reeves writes, I moved to Los Angeles when I was 19 years old to find my dreams. And like Cheryl said earlier in the interview, some of the things that people could say to you where it was all about destroying your heart and you have to pick yourself up so many times, you start to understand how to navigate this journey. That's what was key to me that Diane says. You start to understand how to navigate this journey. And she's referring to this journey for her was, I'm sure, becoming a recording artist and for Cheryl Lee Ralph becoming an actress You learn how to navigate this journey, how to understand how to move through it. You start to know how to bring the people that love and support you in close to help you. Oh, we could sit all night, all year, telling stories about how we got through a thing. But the thing is, you got through and it made you stronger and it made you wiser. Cheryl Lee Ralph continues, when I took to that stage that night, I don't remember walking. I don't remember it. I can't feel my legs going up the steps. I can't feel it. But when I got center stage, I knew I was home. Because for me, as an artist, center stage is home. And coming from the stage, center stage is to be respected. When you get to center stage, all eyes on you feel that pressure because I'm about ready to give it to you. I always want to say to people, Do not get up on stage if you are not ready to give the stage the respect it deserves. So when I got there, and that's like one of the biggest nights in Hollywood, I said, all right, I've been preparing for this. I'm ready. Come on, let's do it. And that's when she said, I heard, sing the song. I think you can relate to her. I know I can. We have been knocked down in this life so many times. So many negative narratives have been thrust upon us, projected on us, bullied on us. We've suffered some things, haven't we, Heartlifters? We've suffered some things. But I am here to declare to you today that it's a new day. And we are coming into a time where we are going to sing that song in our lives, in our spheres of influence, on the center of the stage in those spheres of influence, whether they be small, medium, or large, doesn't matter. 
What matters is that we come to the center of that stage and we remember that we know where our voice belongs. And we're getting there by spending time, spending time in the quiet place of solitude, in stillness. Yes, in silence. We're breathing the air of the kingdom of God. We're breathing in the atmosphere. And in that atmosphere, that is where contentment is being deeply developed inside of you and inside of me. And I tell you something, when we possess that unfailing strength, and we know that it only comes as a result of spending time in the quiet place, breathing in that air, we together as a united company of women, we will be unstoppable. The spirit of God will be unstoppable and a powerful movement of unity will begin. Heartlifter, I'm going to close our time together a little differently today by just praying. Let me pray for you, please. Father God, I pray for my special friends, for these heartlifters that have come here today to grow and learn and become all you want for them to be. I pray that they would be able to say a million no's so that they can say a million yeses to spending time in the quiet place. Because it's there in the secret place where we breathe in the oxygen and the atmosphere of your presence that we develop a sense of contentment in our being so that we can move forward. We can have forward direction toward what you have called us to do so we can stand in the center of our spheres of influence and say, I know where my voice belongs. It belongs here. Heartlifter, I'll see you next time. Don't forget, please meet me over on Instagram at Janelle Reardon so we can continue this conversation. I'm waiting for you there. I know you're coming. And if you would be so kind, please leave a review of the podcast, please. One or two sentences. Just go to JanelleRairden.com slash podcast. Go all the way down to the bottom and you will find the instructions waiting for you. Until next time. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairden.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.